Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 30 of Learn With Us. I'm calling out from London and I'm talking to my first female guest today, Jessica Jordan. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. How are you doing tonight? Uh, yeah, pretty good actually. Uh, just like here in Paris, uh, still after work, so to speak, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the chat. Yeah, are you based in Paris normally? Uh, no, actually, like I'm based in Berlin, uh, but right now, like for Paris. for work, I'm here in Paris. So. Oh, I, I love traveling with programming jobs. And what's uh, so you work for Simple Labs? Can you tell me a little bit how that's going for you? Mm, yeah, definitely. So um, I joined like Simple Labs a bit more than a year ago, and um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, we are like, I don't know, like for listeners who don't know the company yet, we are like a consultancy that's specialized in uh, consulting for Ruby and Rails, Phoenix and Alexi and also like Ember. And yeah, in this regard, it's like uh, quite interesting for me to actually get to see a lot of like different Ember apps in the wild and actually, um, yeah, also being able to uh, do some open source stuff in this context. So it's pretty cool. So I've, I've been using Ember, started using it about five years ago, and I have heard the company in Simple Labs a lot, but I haven't actually, I don't actually know too much about them. So they, they're pretty much Ember experts, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So um, I wouldn't even know how it is in the European market right now, but I think, yeah, European-based, we're probably uh, the kind of like consultancy right now uh, in specializing in Ember, exactly. Great, great. So what was your early programming career like before you got into Ember and uh, Simple Labs? Hmm. Um, you kind of like mean like what my first kind of like experiences were like in or like more... Yeah, just like just the, the background, uh, you know, working professional history. Okay, I see, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually started out with a lot of like web content management and also like um, some kind of like project I worked on where I did a lot of like HTML, CSS. And uh -huh. yeah, from there, I kind of like got more into JavaScript and then also quite early on uh, in this kind of like context into Ember.js, um, which was like more kind of like a coincidence, like um, a friend of mine, he was working on a project that used Ember and I was just like, oh, um, I want to find out more about it. And this is kind of like how I got into it more. Yes. Yeah, so you were, you were quite fortunate and you were able to, to learn on the job, I guess, or learn you know, in your free time, whatever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is like actually really cool. Like, I think it's probably like something that a lot of like developers can actually like relate to, that you usually have like a job that kind of like, uh, on the one hand allows you to actually learn a lot of stuff, but also requires you to learn like new things That's as great. you go, right? But That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. But um, this is also something that I definitely see in my current job, yeah. Yeah. So, um, have you used any other frameworks out there? Mm, actually, I've like tried out a bit of React before, uh -huh. uh, but only very briefly. So I couldn't really, yeah, I, I couldn't really kind of like say, okay, like I know like a lot about the framework or the library. Yeah. Well, yeah. From my experience, as I've been working in web development ten years, all these frameworks are pretty much the same. 
Now that offend a lot of people, but they basically all do the same thing. They manipulate the DOM and present information to the screen. Um, my experience with Ember has always always found it you know very powerful, and especially the latest versions, it's really really quite exciting um, what they're doing. You're moving more towards native JavaScript objects. Um, so you're you're uh, also active in the Ember community, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I try my best. Yeah, definitely. What's it you do for the the community? Um, yeah, right now I'm uh, kind of like working in yeah learning projects. Uh, I'm also like part of the Ember learning team, and there specifically I mostly um, yeah am focusing on the Ember Times, which is a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe oh. to, and this will update you about like any kind of like contributions that went in RCs and also tries to give like a little bit more yeah, context to what is currently happening in, in Emberland, so to speak. Okay, so what kind of stuff do you do to, to educate people about, about Ember? Um, you mean like in the context of the newsletter specifically or like more New, like... Newsletter or, okay. or, or like, um, I don't know, traveling and stuff like that, whatever okay. you want to share. Yeah, okay, I see. Um, yeah, I think like in the newsletter aspect, um, this is something that I kind of like really like about it. It's like more this approach of trying to give like more like high level kind of like introductions into like maybe new topics that are coming about, right? If there uh-huh. are, for example, like new RCs. So for example, like in the last year, what was like very kind of like active was like this RC about like optional jQuery removal from the Ember app, which kind of like people who are already very into the community and are really up to date via either checking like Slack every day or I don't know, following all the people from core teams like on Twitter might already be familiar with. But um, I think, yeah, one really cool thing about the newsletter is that we try to actually bring these topics also like to a wider audience, like people who might not already be like in different social channels, like 24-7, already know about these things. And um, yeah, I think in this regard, this is yeah, kind of like a really, really cool project right now. And yeah, apart from that, yeah, I wouldn't really, wouldn't really know I could sum it up. Like um, it's actually, actually, I think like mostly the new setup that I'm focusing on, I'm also obviously like with the learning team trying to uh, support uh, other people to improve learning resources. So for example, in the learning team, there have been a lot of lot of efforts to actually update the guides. So like the official tutorials that the, also bless you. <laughs> uh, That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> perfect, perfect timing. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, we, uh, we try to just like um, get like a lot of things out and like uh, a lot of people in the learning team, like for example, Jen Weber and like also Melanie Sumner have like put a lot of work, for example, in the guides, uh, but also a lot of like other contributors which are who are not part of these teams have like also contributed to this success. So this is like mm-hmm. also really cool to see. That's cool. So I've seen you've got quite a few blog posts in the, the Ember Times. It's quite a cool thing to have. So I've I've been out of the game in Ember for about well, I've some de- I'm still developing my Chrome extension which records Ember end-to-end tests. I'm still maintaining that, but I've been out of the game of an act- actual active projects and a team for about a year, 
year, maybe more than that. So I just wonder if you could give me a little bit of an overview um, of what has changed in the last say, year or so. And maybe, maybe before even before that, maybe give our listeners a little bit of a maybe a two minute introduction of what actually Ember does. Okay. Mm. Well, well, I'd like to sit back here and take a, some ice yeah, cream yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like an interesting <laughs> question as well. Like I wouldn't even know. I, I never. I never did something like that. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know, like maybe I can, yeah, maybe I could just like describe what I see Ember might still kind of like be different about how it does things compared to other frameworks because I kind of like agree. Yeah, just, 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 just like a, a two minute introduction to what Ember yeah, exactly. does, would be fine, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, because I think I agree a bit with your point that uh, like a lot of frameworks and libraries nowadays do something quite similar, right? But um, yeah, I think in this yeah. regard, Ember still kind of like stands out with like a high focus on like a convention over configuration approach that yes, is like yes. heavily inspired by yeah other communities like for example yeah Ruby on Rails, and I think it makes it like quite easy once you actually got a bit into it like you actually started to actually work kind of like hands-on with like a project to um you have like a way to find your way around an application you know like you don't have to find out about like all these conventions that you want to put into your application yourself like someone already yeah. did this for you and also the kind of like build tooling that surrounds ember is like in my opinion yeah, really excellent. So he would. I do actually miss the convention over configuration a lot of it because working with Vue and React, you always have to sort of create your way to receive, get the data, and then mm -hmm. wire it to the to the various um, routes and, and stuff like that. With Ember, you don't need to do any of that. It's all you just you just use the framework to get your data, and you know exactly where all the data comes from. You know, I do miss that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. Definitely. This is kind of like, yeah, really nice, kind of like takes a lot of like mental overhead away from you. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have, I have pretty much used most of the frameworks and, um, but I'm just, I wonder why is it still, the Ember is like still quite low in terms of the amount of apps that are being done out there? Mm. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I have the feeling like we in the yeah kind of like special learning team, I have the feeling like there's some kind of like sense that we are also kind of responsible for outreach, which doesn't necessarily have to, has to be this case. But I think we still kind of like oftentimes get like involved in discussions about that. And yeah, my opinion is that, yeah, there are probably like different factors to it. Um, a lot of like ideas that also we had about like maybe there are some bumps in the adoption through like learning resource or something is something that has been heavily worked on like in the last year and I think like really successfully. Um, but then I also think it's it might be like also a bit like a self perpetuating thing, right? That people might not have adopted it that much yet and then people go like oh well we cannot find developers who do ember so we might just like start a react project and then yeah also like devs will go like oh should i learn ember i heard everyone is hiring for react things like this <laughs> like you yeah. know like a little bit just like self-perpetuating things but on the other hand i also think um it's maybe not that uh, not that horrible that um, Ember is not like the number one framework out there. 
as long as you have the feeling there's like a kind of like strong community behind it. And I think this is like probably the most important thing and something that I really appreciate about about Ember in specific. So what I've seen is that there is not that many clients that, that actually are looking for Ember in London, but the few clients that do use it, they, they really like it and uh, their team likes it. So it's sort of like a club, but once you're in it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to get in the club, but once you're in a club, you're never leaving, right? It's, it's, you're in there for life almost. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, also speaks like for the technology, I guess, right? That you kind of like are convinced that it's like kind of like really cool. And then on the other hand, you also see your point that uh, once you are in the community, you know, you kind of like know people and everything and it makes it like, you're much easier to get like new connections and move forward with whatever you would like to do. So I guess you, do you know quite a lot of the, the core team now? Um, yeah, more specifically the learning core team, definitely. Um, with the other core teams, I'm actually, yeah, I don't know, like, yeah, of course, like we chat every now and then, but not super involved, yeah. So what does the learning core team do? Do they, they do the blog and do they do workshops as well? Mm -hmm. Workshops, interesting. Um, I, I know that, like, or I'm pretty confident that, like, Jen already did workshops but um, I'm not sure if like specifically in the context of the learning team but apart from that yeah the learning team is like very focused on anything that has to do with like official learning resources so for example as yeah. you mentioned the blog but then also the guides so like the official tutorial where people can start actually uh, building their first Ember app uh, also the API docs on the maintenance of Ember Learn and also there are other like newer projects that are now under umbrella of like the Ember Learn team, for example, Ember CLI add-on docs, which is like a um, add-on that is maintained uh, by um, by Chris Garrett and some Selikov. It's like also now under this, so it's like yeah, different kind of like projects that. Yeah, I think I think what you're doing there is more important than workshops because it's much more scalable and much more. Yeah, basically reaching the world and, and helping them to to use the, the Ember Ember framework. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, people get like more exposed to it and also kind of like can get like um, can get like uh, yeah the first experience with uh, with a possibly new tool exactly. So what has been the biggest things to happen in Ember in the last year? Would you say? Hmm. Oh, big question like I couldn't really say to be honest I think like from a learning perspective I have the feeling the 3.0 release was quite big and actually, yeah yeah I think this was actually quite big but more in the sense of that um, yeah kind of like a new kind of like upcoming features um, we are coming in in the next minor versions so for example the uh, for example, VS5 getters or also the new testing API, which came out rather recently. Oh, what's that? Um, so there's this kind of like new testing API in Ember, which is kind of like, um, yeah, works really nicely with the uh, QUnit API, which kind of like comes out of the box if you create a new Ember app. So it's usually like based on QUnit. 
and yeah that's what i use for, uh, that's what i generate my tests for my chrome extension exactly exactly um and that's now this new testing api that's actually a little bit more functionally scoped so you don't have this whole thing that you used to have before that you kind of like create a new you have to use like this very specific module that kind of ember provides for you that already does like setup work that kind of like just happens under the hood and you don't really know what's happening there it's like all magic but instead now it's like much more modular so it for example uses like the native module and test helpers from ember qunit and will okay. also allow you then to for example nest your modules into each other which you could probably yeah do in like a native qunit app or maybe like with ember mocker already and um, it also provides you with like dedicated helpers for specific test types for example for uh, rendering tests so so to speak uh, the former integration tests for components or also an application test helper that helps you to actually set up all the things that you need for a specific test type so it's like much more obvious and easier to read what is actually going on in your test um, and i think from the learning perspective this was also quite interesting for us because we had to get like a lot of work out there and also um, we're really grateful for a lot of like contributors to actually uh, also get work in to uh, update, for example, the guide section on this. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the amount of effort that the Ember core team put in is just, it's always really impressive. Um, yeah, one, one of my clients was British Gas. I, I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, definitely. They're, they were really big Ember users, and I was part of the first team that was using it. And as far as I know, they're still using it. I don't know how many projects they are, but they're always looking for Ember developers, British Gas. So, free advertising for them there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, so... Um, so, do you find that when clients come to you, they're actually already decided about Ember or do you find that you have to try and convince them to use Ember? Uh, you mean like in the context of like simple apps or? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually can't speak that much about it because I kind of like just joined the company after feeling oh, like, okay, okay. so I couldn't really yeah. say but I would assume most likely or just like from my experience in other projects or when I was still like freelancing it was like more this thing of they already have like an Ember app or Ember application several ones and they yeah. are dedicatedly looking for yeah support with that. Yeah, all, all the clients I've worked with, they they were using Ember and they they knew why they were using Ember. Um, I haven't had to try and convince a, a client yet to, uh, to, to use Ember. Usually, usually clients come to me they actually know the tech stack. Um, I do do projects where a client will come to me and say, okay, what do you want to do? And I'll outsource it, and then we can build something from scratch. Exactly. Like, um, I think this is something, mm, yeah, something that I've rarely ever experienced before. Yeah, this kind of like from scratch, just like they just go like, oh, we don't know what we actually want. We just like want a product, and what can you do? Uh, but I think like from a certain standpoint, yeah, this would be really interesting to work on something like that, right? Because um, then like, yeah, you really can actually make like first decisions that actually might be really beneficial for a project, you know? And it's like, uh, I can imagine really fulfilling experience, you know? Uh -huh. um, okay, so uh, one thing I'm always interested to see is, and I'm glad I'm seeing it, is I'm seeing more 
girls get involved with coding these days? Is that you think that's a trend is increasing? In uh, your sorry, sorry, I didn't catch that. Who do you see? Do you think? Do you think more uh, ladies are starting oh, to code now? I see. Um, yeah, actually, I don't know. Like, I could imagine this is maybe something. I mean, there are a lot of like initiatives to actually like get women into tech and into software specifically, right? Like, for yeah. example, Rates Girls has been like such a such a pinnacle of like getting uh, women involved in Ruby for like so many years and I have the feeling there might be a lot of like other initiatives um, out there for example Ember also has an initiative called Ember Women um, okay. that helps like uh, women to kind of like connect but also helps them and mentors them with like for example public speaking engagements right so oh, that's good. yeah exactly this is like also very interesting um, but yeah, I don't know, like I couldn't really say if there's really a trend of like the numbers going up. What I could also imagine is that the topic itself, like gender diversity in tech is coming up more often and therefore okay. it might be that we become like more, more sensitive to this idea that, oh, we are working in the IT space and it's not just like guys, it's, it's like, you know, there are like different genders present, right? And yeah. uh, I think this is like actually a really good thing, like in the sense of like that you actually get the discussion out and that you, yeah, that you try to um, actually make this a real topic. Yeah, uh -huh. definitely. Yeah, there's there's some um, there's some girl that works for Twitter in London and she has this thing called, I think it's called Amy... Amy something, <laughs> but she does this thing for Twitter and there's like for women who code and it's it's quite popular. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully more women will see it as a viable career option because it's certainly good job security uh, if you get into coding versus a lot of the so-called humanities out there that people you know fine if you like it, but I mean whether there's going to be jobs after it, you know that's that's another question. But tech. Is certainly good employment security. I think that's uh, it's certainly ethical obligation. I think to give you know women a chance to to learn this stuff. Yeah, definitely, and also kind of like just trying to make the field more approachable, right? Because um, yeah, as a yeah as a woman of tech in tech, you might actually have like a lot of experiences where you realize, oh, this is like really challenging, like trying to work in a field where you might not relate to so many people just because they have like another kind of like background as you which is sometimes determined yeah. by your gender right and uh, therefore I think these initiatives are really great for yeah providing women actually like with a welcoming atmosphere in which they can actually just like learn something and not having to fear about like this yeah social pressure of like being maybe the only woman in whatever you know so I think yeah, this is actually it's really cool. I'm really yeah, I'm really grateful for like everyone who actually tries to make something happen in this regard. Yeah, one of my first commercial mentees was actually when I was uh, with an Ember client, mm -hmm. and there was a girl there just came out of uni, and uh, my boss or my I don't have a boss in my contractor. The, the person who tells you what to do basically, yeah. <laughs> he he gave me this um, this lady to teach her teacher Ember. And uh, she was really pleasant to work with, and uh, she really caught onto the framework really well. I taught her some bootstraps, she got it really quickly. I showed her how to do some Ember templates, some Ember controller properties, um, and then she was doing work for me within like a week, and I was like, 
focusing on other tickets. So that's saving the company money. So I think, um, I think that if you have somebody that's willing to mentor, you know, the, the lady, she's actually she was all pretty much a, a girl. She's she's at uni, so I, I would call her like a girl now. But I'm not, well, she is a lady, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it was, it was. She just really, truly enjoyed it, and you know, and um, so what? What do you think we can do to make this career programming more welcoming to to you know females? Mm, yeah, I think it's like very difficult. I have the feeling there are a lot of like structural uh, kind of like patterns already there that make it like kind of challenging for people to enter the field who are not like already part of the majority, right? I think this, for example, not only applies to women, but also in certain areas also to people of color and kind of like other underrepresented groups. Um, but I think, yeah, I think like sometimes even simple things like as a, um, I don't know how it is like actually UK if you discuss anything like that, but there has been a lot of like discussion about this in Germany about like uh, quotas for example that you actually try to have like a certain regulation for companies to stick to because they might oftentimes try to not focus much on like things like diversity because they realize it doesn't really give them kind of like uh, I would say short-term business value right because mm-hmm. um, yeah because I see that uh, just due to the fact that we don't have like maybe a large amount of like senior developers who are female in the field compared to like male developers might like a lot of like companies give like less of incentive to say like oh we have a diverse environment and we might also consider uh, hiring junior or mid-level developers which who might actually have like a higher percentage of like women developers and um, I think, yeah, having some restrictions on that, like actually giving, again, like companies an incentive to um, yeah, actually focus on efforts like these would really help in the industry itself. But then again, I also think it's like probably up to, probably up to everyone to just, yeah, try to, um, yeah, try to think about like own ways how they can actually improve their own work environment if they're, for example, working together with uh, women in their field or um, I think it's also uh, really great that already a lot of like great women doing for example workshops that you mentioned or have like initiatives out there uh, that try to get like women in tech together so yeah I couldn't really yeah. get like a really good answer to that but yeah just like some ideas I, want, I wonder if there's, a, if there's a higher rate in female dropout in tech versus other careers um, I can't imagine why that would be but uh don't know. Uh, how do you mean exactly? Like, what uh, what could be? Do you, do you think there's a higher dropout in tech for women than, than guys? I I definitely think so. Yeah. Like. Really? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I cannot really quote the article that I read. I cannot really say. Okay, this is like the data. Maybe I can. Maybe I can look it up after uh, after the chat again. Uh, but I think I remember I read something about that. Like a lot of women like literally drop out because they don't feel that confident in what they're doing and this really and this um oftentimes yeah yeah, this kind of like uh, very difficult crazy and this oftentimes has just to do with like yeah working environments that they're in or 
Um, nah, but, that's, that's shocking. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think this is still really a big problem, and this might also be one of the major reasons why we actually might not have like this high high number of like senior developer women often out there, which is sometimes given as an argument why you cannot hire women because you don't have anything in the skill level. But uh, it's literally like yeah. a very high percentage yeah. just like drops out after a while because they go like, okay, I can't deal with the stress anymore. I just want to do something. So yeah, to be honest, of all the uh, senior developers and and uh, medium developers that I've interviewed for clients, they've all been uh, been guys, unfortunately. Um, actually, I've never I've never had to interview a f um, female hmm. before. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's like um, yeah. I I don't have so much experience with hiring, but I can also imagine this is like sometimes difficult. Like on the one hand, if you already are very not so diverse company, which might be likely if you're in tech, right? Um, then it's like harder to actually be approachable to women. And then on the other hand, um, there might be also the fact that, yeah, you might not have like already the approach that kind of like gets a lot of like people into the pool who are female, but instead you might go with the approach that is already kind of like accustomed to how you got all the other kind of like engineers in, if this kind of makes sense, right? So, and yeah. I think, yeah, for example, how you target your job ads and where you also kind of like highlight your jobs can also make a difference. But then again, I cannot speak from personal experience, just like from from what I already heard from yeah other companies or what I, what I read about the topic. Yeah. Okay, well, we're almost at the uh, half an hour. Um, I feel I'm just getting started here. <laughs> so um, where, where do you sort of see yourself wanting to be in the next few years? Do you want to just be continuing to, to do front end or, you know, but what, what, what do you fancy doing? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, yeah, I think I would like to uh, do this Ember thing like a bit more. That would be really fun. Um, mm -hmm. But I also would like to explore uh, also more the full stack and possibly also like other programming languages because I feel um, that the people that I met at least that have like more experience in like maybe like C Sharp or like some other language that isn't related to web development actually have like a really nice mm -hmm. outlook on like on like tech, so I think this would be really cool. So I think a lot of my listeners, um, uh, you being one of the, the rare females in tech, would probably like to follow what you're doing, so where, where can, where's the best people to, people to follow you? Um, yeah, good question, like, you can probably check out my Twitter, uh, so okay. I have this very memorizable name, uh, it's like jjordan underscore dev, right, so okay. good luck finding Great. it, <laughs> exactly, and so... Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best bet. Yeah. Okay, we'll put that. I'll put that in my my show notes. Okay, cool. Um, okay, do you have do you have any questions you want to ask me? Mm, yeah, I would actually like to know what you think is the is the most fun part, like in actually doing the podcast. Oh, the podcast. Yeah. Um, the fun part is seeing the growth and seeing where the listeners are from. For the moment, let me just check my stats on uh, here. Basically, most of my listeners are in the States, <laughs> believe it or not. Okay, interesting. Um, okay. I, don't, I don't know why. And then then the second highest is in Japan. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so let me just get the statistics. And then the, th the third highest is, of course, the UK. 
So, um, let me just look here. Okay, listener locations. 39% the States, 17% Japan, and then 11% United Kingdom. Okay. So a tenth of my listeners in the United Kingdom. Um, I guess people in the States like my Scottish accent. Maybe, yeah. So one of the cool things about a podcast is the it's like a compound interest effect where you... It's, it's really hard to get going. You, you look at the listener starts for your first 10 episodes, basically, don't do that. <laughs> but it, once the snowball starts to grow, the, the, you know, the episodes sort of feed off each other, people get used to you, and then people are, are listening regularly, uh, and then it, it sort of, you know... To be honest, having a podcast of just 30 episodes is still a pretty young podcast. But I mean, I'm I'm enjoying the the, the growth po- process, and then it, the more you do, the better it gets. It's like f- old whiskey, I guess. The older it is, you know, mm-hmm. the longer you've been doing the podcast. So I guess that's not a very good answer, but um, it's it's this nice being able to have something you can go back and listen to again, and mm-hmm. uh, even remind yourself of stuff you were talking about. And also, it's it's also good to talk to people that you wouldn't normally talk to, or they wouldn't they wouldn't give you the half an hour time to talk to them for you know and, and you can also learn from the podcast so I try and learn from the people that come on here as well so like uh, I'm learning from you about you know strategies on, on teaching and then I'm, on the last episode I was learning from GraphQL I think I've never used it before mm-hmm. and then there's Data Science with Stelios and then there's a Webpack guy so I use these podcasts to learn as well but it is, it is quite a lot of work to, to do it you know it's not like free <laughs> you have to pay for hosting and, and then you have to yeah. use the opportunity cost of editing you know and all that stuff but it is it is quite rewarding I recommend uh, people that want to become you know entrepreneurs or, or make a business around their personality should they should really have a podcast okay I see okay yeah sounds really cool yeah so yeah uh, this is yeah, what you're so, for them yeah, when when's your when's your podcast going to start? Uh, actually, I don't know. Like, but I'm really intrigued. So maybe like next Monday, I guess, right? Yeah, well, I've I've taught you how to use GarageBand, you know. So we'll... exactly, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Yeah, and then yeah, it's, it really is. It's not that difficult, you know. The first few episodes, you know, you can you can mess up the audio quality pretty badly, and nobody will care. You can okay. still do it badly. I actually <laughs> leave him. I leave in mistakes anyway because it makes it more funny. Uh, so. Definitely, because yeah. like uh, another character too. Okay, well, Jordan, I'll, I will be following you on Twitter. Thanks you so much for coming on at such short notice. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, I, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with in the, in the next few years. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I will too. Um, I'm going to check out your podcast, so cool. Okay. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening to Learn With Us. Please go and let, lead us a, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and, and uh, an actual um text review we always appreciate them it helps the podcast so much and we'll be coming back to you shortly with another Lara Fuzz podcast thank you everybody for listening and thank you Jessica yeah thank you